Translation by divine grace, If in this universe there are many rulers and justices who disagree about punishment and reward, their contradictory actions will neutralize each other and no one will be punished or rewarded. Otherwise, if their contradictory acts fail to neutralize each other, everyone will have to be both punished and rewarded. So in this universe there are many rulers and justices who disagree about punishment and reward. Their contradictory actions will neutralize each other and no one will be punished or rewarded. Otherwise, if their contradictory acts fail to neutralize each other, everyone will have to be both punished and rewarded. Maybe we can see through this our own personal examples how uh, Contradictory actions can neutralize, especially in a grahastha family where uh, parents, both wife and husband or father and mother, agree with each other or disagree with each other. So therefore, how is the, uh, I won't say punishment, but a correction, uh, failure takes place towards the children because the children take the advantage of the disagreement between the parents and it could actually lead to catastrophe in children's life and we'll take one example because this happened to one of my cousin's family how the, uh, the children's life has been uh, to a greater extent has deviated uh, from Vedic culture because the Yamadutas had been unsuccessful in carrying out the order of Yamaraj, they doubted whether Yamaraj actually had the power to punish the sinful. Although they had gone to arrest Ajamila, following Yamaraj's order, they found themselves unsuccessful because of the order of some higher authority. Therefore, they were unsure of whether there were many authorities or only one. If there were many authorities who gave different judgments, which could be contradictory, a person might be wrongly punished or wrongly rewarded. Or he might be neither punished nor rewarded. According to experience in the material world, a person punished in one court may appeal to another. No wonder. This happens especially uh, in all the countries, but more so pronounced in India. So we find a court case drags on uh, through not one lifetime, but generations. So uh, I have my own personal experience. We go into the court in 1986, today it's 2022. Uh, so 86, 14 years and 22. 36 years have gone by. The court is, the case is still pending in the court. Thus, the same man may be either punished or rewarded according to different judgments. However, in the law of nature or the court of the Supreme Person to Godhead, there cannot be such contradictory judgments. The judges and their judgments must be perfect and free from contradictions. Actually, 
the position of Yamaraj was very awkward in the case of Ajamila because the Yamadutas was right in attempting to arrest Ajamila, but the Vishnudutas had baffled them. Although Yamaraj under these circumstances accused by both the Vishnudutas and the Yamadutas, he is perfect in administering justice because he is empowered by the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Therefore, he'll explain what is his real position is and how everyone is controlled by the Supreme Controller, the Personality of Godhead. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Gyananjana Sanakaya Chakshurun Militamena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Sri Chaitanya Manobhistam Snapitam Yena Bhutale Swayam Rupa Kadamahyam Tadati Svapadatikam Vandeham Sri Guru Sri Yuta Padakamalam Sri Guru Vaishnavascha Sri Rupam Sagrajatam Sankanaradunathamritam Thamsajeevam Sadvaitam Savadutam Parijana Saitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Sri Radha Krishna Pada Sagana Tasvi Vishapaditascha Mukam Karoti Vachanam Pangam Nangayate Girim Yatrapatamaham Vande Paramananda Madhavam The Supreme Personality Godhead as the form of Sachitananda Vigraha, transcendental bliss, knowledge and eternity. I offer my respectful wisdom to him who turned the dumb into eloquent speakers and enables the lame to cross mountains. Such is the mercy of the Lord. So that's the oath which 
a lawyer has to take uh, at the time of receiving is ridiculous award. I feel that was in India, I'm not sure whether that happens here in this part of the country or not. So we find here uh, Emadutas have argued, they put up their case and they gave so many reasons for uh, punishing uh, Ajamila, but all those arguments were just negated by uh, Vishnu Brutus. And because of that, uh, we find the Emadutas were bewildered. The Emadutas were confused because so far in their professional career of those uh, Yamadutas, no one had stopped them. No one dared stop them. Actually, no one can see them, so let alone stopping them. But in this case, uh, four powerful personalities, uh, they said, hold on, you cannot take our customer. He belongs to us. Now from this we find uh, the subsequent action of Ajamila uh, that he goes to Haridwar and then he perfects his life. If you take that as the cue, we often read from Shilakopha's book where there are three types of uh, persons in this world. One who reads, understands, observes, realizes and puts into practice. And such a person is considered to be the first class person. And then <coughs> the second class of person is someone who experiences, having experienced, then the person undergoes a change in the consciousness and take the uh, corrective measures. So that's the second class person. And the third class person is a person who even after experiencing does not change. He continues with his old habits. So Ajamila belongs to which category? Whether was he a first class person or a second class person or a third class person? What do they come Second class. Thank you, Lord. And to what category this August body, which is here in the class and hearing on the remote, belong to? Yeah. Third class, we can't say so outrightly because uh, none of us have experienced. Is anyone experienced out of body experience? Anyone? Near death experience. You had near death experience. Okay. Is that the reason why you change? No. Oh. Okay. So, so by and large, we are fortunate to have come in contact with the devotee, and then the devotee has given us the understanding, and with that understanding, uh, we have taken the Krishna consciousness. And on this journey, each one of us is at a different pace moving forward, at a different stage within the journey. So therefore, uh, if I'm permitted, we can safely say that we all belong to first class category, not the second class, because none of us have experienced any death. 
not the third class because we have uh, taken the Krishna consciousness. So the fact that all of you have taken the Krishna consciousness, when I say you, that includes me as well because I'm, we may say that out of humility, no, Prabhu, I'm fallen, most fallen soul, where am I? I'm only here, you are most advanced, all that keeping aside. Still, we have taken to the journey of Krishna consciousness. A greater part of our life, uh, we have assigned it to Krishna consciousness. Simply by hearing, uh, other, simply by hearing from Bhagavad simply from hearing from Gita, simply from hearing from devotees who wear saffron robes like Manmohan Prabhu, Arjun Prabhu, Dvija Prabhu, Dvija Prabhu, and then Savior Bhagavan Prabhu, although is not looking at us. <laughs> yeah, so there's all the inspiration for us to uh, take to Krishna consciousness. They've been kind enough to give us their association continuously. And then whenever we deviate, they get back, they give us snap, and then uh, the correction takes place, and then we are slowly, maybe at a small snail speed, or someone is at a fast speed, but we are moving forward. So long we stay in the boat of Krishna consciousness. So that's what we understand from Ajahnila's pastime. And therefore in the purport, not purport, for the summary of this chapter, uh, Prabhupada says, intelligent persons, however, take to devotions of the Lord, when they chant the holy name of the Lord without offenses, they are no longer subjected to my rulings. So therefore, Prabhupada is certifying that all those who have taken to Krishna consciousness, they are intelligent. They are not like, uh, Prabhupada, the previous statement says, not like other learned scholars headed by Jainini, especially if you are in India, there's, oh, Bharatva, Jainini, that's a great exalted personality. Do you know them? But here Prabhupada is saying, other learned scholars headed by Jainini are almost always covered by the illusory energy. Always covered by illusory energy and therefore they are more or less attracted by the flowery line in the three Vedas, namely the Rig Yajusama, which are called Thayi. So therefore we find that when we go through the uh, summary for this chapter, given by Srila Prabhupada, it gives us immense hope in our life in Krishna consciousness. Ajamila chanted, I'm reading just those word lines by Srila Prabhupada, Ajamila chanted the holy name of the Lord Narayana and simply by a glimpse of the chanting of the holy name, not seriously chanting, glimpse of the chanting of the holy name, he immediately achieved the association of Lord Vishnu's honor carriers. So that statement is so profound and so uh, it just penetrates to our heart that it gives us so much of hope that yes, we will be chanting with our voices, but at least in our lifetime, having chanted or having been chanting so many times, at least once we would have chanted and at the time when the uh, the spirit the spiritual energy of the Lord, that mantra would have gently touched the spirit soul and you feel wow, it's going to get electric shock going. So that once would have happened, and that once 
carries forward all through our life in your spiritual journey. Then Prabhupada's another statement in that uh, summary. It's a fact that even a chronically sinful person, chronically sinful person who chants the holy name of the Lord, although not completely without offenses, please note, although not completely without offenses, does not take another material birth. So this is once again another statement from Srila Prabhupada that gives us so much of assurance that yes, I am making an attempt, I may be chanting with offenses, I am chanting with offenses, but still there is a hope for me that at the time of my end breath, there is Srila Prabhupada uh, who would carry us forward in the uh, right direction. Then, uh, looking at the Yamadurgas, with material senses, no one can attain enlightenment about him. So when you have material senses, none can have the enlightenment about him, the Supreme Lord. The Lord, the master of the use of energy, possesses transcendental qualities for the good fortune of everyone, and his devotees are also qualified in that way. So therefore, these devotees are also qualified, they understand that the Sambandha Gyan, the Lord and the relationship and what is that exactly that they are required to do. And Prabhupada makes another beautiful statement. One is somewhat interested in spiritual life, the devotees of the Lord protect him in many ways. And so that's how we are enveloped with the protection of uh, the devotees. Now commenting on this chapter or in this section by Gurudev in his book, The Veil Begins to Part. Has anyone read this book? The Veil Begins to Part. Because Unwearing Lotus Feet is the first six chapters and then the next two chapters, uh, six and seven, uh, talks about the Veil Begins to Part. And the text three to ten uh, Gurudev gives the statement that Emadutas ask their master whether his authority is supreme. So this section, the Emadutas are asking, are you supreme? Out of politeness we may not ask anyone, are you supreme? But here Emadutas, uh, fearless whether asking their master, are you really supreme? Because on your behalf we went to capture a soul and then we could not capture the soul. And Yamadus are asking, Gurudev comments, provoking questions. And it is meant for every intelligent person to consider. What are the provoking questions the Yamadus uh, are asking? Is that whatever we may do in our material life has no value. Whatever we may do in our material life, ultimately has no value. Why? Because the death is undeniable and the time of once we die, whatever so-called one has achieved, everything is gone. It, it becomes zero. So recently I was reading uh, CNN and Tesla's uh, chairman, what's his name? Whatever he is. Tesla's chairman, he was given the uh, the best of the Times Award 
they, they, have, they have a magazine and that gives every year the, the person who contributes significantly and obviously that magazine uh, looks at the person who contributes significantly in terms of wealth and therefore uh, his personal wealth has shot up from some X billion to uh, X billion so he has achieved billions, more than 100 billions in one year and therefore he was given the award. And in his response, the chairman, he says, he works every week 100 hours. Having achieved or sitting on a pile of nearly 300 billion dollars, this poor guy is still working every week 100 hours to achieve what? Here, Bhimadutas are saying, all that is waste because this place is a Matyuloka, it's a place of death and nothing can be taken while you are living. And Gurudev gives three verses to substantiate from Bhagavad Gita 2.27, Jatastahi Dhruvum Rutyu, that's one verse. One who has taken his birth is sure to die and after death one is sure to take birth again. So that's the verse from Gurudev quote. Then he quotes 10.34 Nrityahu Sarva Haraschaham that I am all devouring death. And then 8.16 Abrahma Bhuvana Loka Puna Avatino Archana that from the highest planet in the material world down to the lowest all are places of misery wherein repeated birth and death takes place. So to substantiate what Yamadutas are saying, look, if death is the reality and you are the ruler of the death, then your rule uh, should be the ultimate law. But that doesn't seem to be the case because we could not capture Achanila. Um, and in this verse, uh, we find that if in this world there are many rulers and justices who disagree about punishment reward, their contrary actions will neutralize each other and no one will be punished or rewarded. So if you find that if a child commits a mistake and mother says the child should be punished for some reason, the father says, no, the child cannot be punished. What happened? the result? As in this case, it says that contrary actions will neutralize each other. So the child does not get the punishment. When the child commits a mistake and both the parents agree, then there's a possibility, as here it says, uh, that the punishment will have, they may be punished multiple times. So father also punishes and mother also punishes. So when they disagree with each other, the person, the child escapes. And when both of them agree, the child gets multiple punishments. And in, bo in both the cases, that is not correct. That's what Vishnachakati Thakur says, that if there are many controllers, what is the problem? The problem is you get two actions. So what are the two actions? One is the Mrityu and the other is Amrutam. So one gets the hell or the other gets the heaven. So these are two things will happen. And we find fighting or 
showing disagreement in front of the children will have a disastrous uh, future for the children because that means that mother and father are at disagreeing with each other and therefore it indicates they are fighting with each other and that fight you may do in the absence of children but not in the presence of children when you are doing in front of the children it will psychologically impact the children so much so much so that when they grow up they become uh, weak in their understanding they do not have confidence because they wouldn't have received the required love and affection from the children because parents themselves are fighting and the children deviate from the vedic culture uh, completely and i can give my own cousin's example because the parents my cousin and my cousin's wife uh, they fight with each other so much so that today they have grown up uh, two daughters they refused to marry they said that why should i get why should we get married we have seen our marriage you both were father for mother fighting and what if if i get a husband like you then my life will become miserable and better off staying as it is unmarried rather than get married and uh, once again have the same problems so therefore they refused to get married so it's a chetani it's a warning to those parents who have young kids never ever fight if you have any disagreement in front of your own children please don't do that you can do it behind but not in front of them in front of them a single voice should go even if one of the partners or the father seems to underestimate or gives maybe some extra punishment to the child doesn't matter you can show extra affection not at that time but later on Uh, so that the child understands that if the child is erring, the child is going to get the punishment, and that is in the interest of the child, and of course in the interest of the parents as well. Because today my cousin and my cousin's wife, they are crying because uh, having born in a Vedic family, so-called Brahmin family, brought up in Vedic culture, going to temples regularly. but that mood they could not inculcate among within themselves and therefore they could not pass it on to the children and today children are suffering and they are also suffering now this multiple controllers is uh, is a sort of i would say we find people practicing vedic culture and outside the vedic culture they are bewildered looking at what we call as polytheism if you look at uh, the the term which we encounter in shila prabhupas course and other senior vaishnavas we talk in terms of atheism someone who does not believe in the existence of the lord then theism where a person believes in a supreme authority supreme lord then polytheism where there are multiple gods is a doctrine or is a philosophy is a theory where there are multiple uh, gods and people from outside vedic culture 
when they look at so-called Hinduism, they say, wow, Hanuman is a god, then Murugan is a god, Ganeshji is a god, Lord Shiva is a god, and Vishnu is a god, Rama is a god, Krishna is a god. Who is the god? Who is not the god? It's so much of confusion. And when we talk to, I'm once again, I give my own example, my friends, my cousins, your faith is your faith, my faith is my faith. So you don't tell me uh, who is supreme, who is, what is Bhagavad Gita. I know because I'm also born in this culture. Just because you're putting a tiller doesn't mean that you know better than me. You don't have to tell me. So this is the way how we have been brought up and we live in a state of confusion. And this confusion has even created confusion from, for people from outside Vedic culture. Today, for an Abrahamic religion, we, they say that we are, when it's an Abrahamic religion, it is Christianity, Islam, and Judaism. So they say that uh, there is monotheism, they are not polytheism. We have only one God. And so who is that one God according to Islam? It is Allah. Anyone else. So they have the God and Gods. Allah is the God. Anyone else is a false representation of Allah. So they don't say demigod, they say false representation. So Krishna is a false representation, Rama is a false representation, anyone else is a false representation, and therefore they label all of us as or you are all infidels who do not have faith in Allah and therefore uh, what did they do for the last 500 years in India? They took the sword and then they destroyed whether it is Rama temple or Krishna temple or any temple because they said that this is against our understanding and therefore they went on smashing all the temples. And in turn, Vedic culture uh, calls them as mlechas. You call us as uh, kafir, we call you as mlechas or yavanas. You are all meat eaters, cow eaters, so you are all dog eaters, you are useless guys. So you don't have any understanding. And therefore we say religious problems. When the word itself is uh, incorrectly coined religious intolerance indicating well uh, my religion is superior but somehow I'm tolerating it. <laughs> Imagine if wife and husband says that I tolerate you in our relationship. It means that I'm superior to you somehow whatever it is I've entered into your marriage relationship and I'm tolerating. But that is not Vedic culture. Vedic culture is <coughs> it is the respect. It is not thought, it is not religious tolerance, but it is religious respect. You want to worship, you worship. We also worship. So we respect whatever they are doing in as much as we expect them to respect what we are doing. It's not that you come with force just because you are in power and then come and destroy our temples or destroy our culture. That's not the way how the Vedic culture looks at you. 
So the concept of polytheism is so wonderful in the sense that it is not in that term it is polytheism because we don't say that we are many gods but we have one controller and that controller is assisted by the other devatas. So that uh, clears uh, the so-called confusion uh, within the followers of Vedic culture and people coming from outside Vedic culture also, that also that it clears them that well, when these people are showing Ganesha or Shiva or Murugan or Hanuman, anyone, what they are trying to say, there is only one controller, but the rest of them, as Srila Prabhupada, I think the first person who was given the name Devata as a demigod. Uh, so that within his con, uh, even a guy who comes for the first time, sits in Bhagavatam class, any class for one session, he understands, well, there is a supreme controller and there are other controllers, but the other controllers are not the supreme controller, but they are only devatas. And the beauty of this culture, very culture, is that it addresses the requirement of everyone's level. Unlike Abrahamic religion, where it says that either you worship Allah or you are infertile. There's, because they consider rest of them are the uh, manifestations of, if you want to say, of Satan or Saitan. They are not of Allah because of Krishna is not from Allah, he is from Saitan. So he's a demon, he's a devil, so therefore you cannot uh, take anyone's help. Either you worship him or you don't worship him. But contrast that with Vedic understanding. So, uh, if you see the series of Bhagavad Gita verses uh, 7.20 to 7.23, in 7.20, uh, we say that the famous verse, Anya Devata. So, there Krishna is saying, Anya Devata, those whose intelligence has been stolen by material desires, surrender onto demigods and follow the particular rules and regulations of worship according to their own natures. So therefore Krishna is not rejecting a person who is trying to follow others. He is saying that well they are the other Anya Devatas and when you worship them it's fine because it's better than not worshipping at all. So there is a difference. I think uh, this is what we were giving as an example of doing Bhakti Shastri. A parent sees one child and is course, let's say, 60% and the parent praises that child. Wow, you have done so well because in India 60% is first class. At least in South India when we did now, if you score 60%, it means that you are a first-class student. 70% is a distinction and 80% is high distinction. So someone who has scored 60%, the parent says, you are a first-class boy or a first-class daughter. But the second child comes back and then with the same 60%, and the parent becomes very angry. You rascal, you have scored only 60%. And someone who is observing the behavior of the parent towards the two children 
the first child, the parent has praised is 60 percent, but the second child, the same parent is scolding that how is that you have only scored 60 percent, you should have scored 80 percent. Now what does that mean? That the first child's capability is only 40 percent, but he scored 60 percent, so therefore the parent has all the praise for the child that well, you have done well done. From 40 percent you have moved to 60 percent. But for the second child, he is capable of scoring 80 percent, but he scored only 60 percent. So therefore the parent puts that child, why is that you scored only 60 percent? Bring that same example related to in this verse. So here Krishna is saying, okay, instead of not worshipping at all, you are worshipping at least Anya Devaka. So it's like a child who score, scoring 40% scores 60%. So similarly here, person who is not at all worshipping, that case is worshipping Anya Devaka. And so what does Krishna, how does Krishna reciprocate? He says in the next verse, Yo yo yam yam tanam bhakta. So therefore he says, I am in everyone's heart the super soul. As soon as one desires to worship some devata, I make his faith steady. So when a person takes to worship of Anya Devata, Krishna is not rejecting that person, is not rejecting that child, unlike Abrahamic religions where they say either you worship Allah or you are condemned. Whereas here, where the culture is saying, well, you worship me, but if you can't worship me, at least you are worshipping Anya Devata, that's wonderful, and I'll make your worship or your faith steady in that particular Devata. So this is the beauty of our Vedic culture. And then, next verse he says, Endowing such a faith, he endeavors to worship a particular demigod and obtains his desires. But in actuality, these benefits are restored by me alone. And then, Krishna says the next verse 23, Men of small intelligence worship the demigods, therefore he gives a conclusion. Okay, fine, you do not, you are not able to worship me, there is a gradation. You can worship Anya Devatas, whatever faith you have, I'll make it steady and then you gradually go. But he is giving his conclusion. Men of small intelligence worship the demigods. Those who worship the demigods both the parents of demigods, but my devotees ultimately reach my supreme planet. So therefore, Krishna is contrasting, well, you have a choice, either you want to take a gradual path, you worship some devata, anya devata, you gradually elevate your consciousness, whatever benefits you are getting, those benefits you are getting only because of me, they are only giving what I am giving to you, and therefore gradually you become elevated, and one day you will come to me, but that's a long, long process, and it can be. It can go for millions of years. It's not just one but two births, but uncountable number of births one has to travel through that journey to come to me. But those who can come to those who worship me uh, are uh, I consider them as the more intelligent persons. So therefore, this is how we can see the contrast between the Abrahamic religions or other religions versus the Vedic culture. But this beauty is not known to 
even practitioners of Vedic culture, unless they are fortunate enough to come in contact with an exalted personality like Srila Prabhupada. Unless someone reads Srila Prabhupada's books, person cannot come to this understanding. Otherwise, we'll also be thinking, well, Hindu culture, so-called Vedic culture is polytheism. It is not polytheism. It is a method or approach or a siddhanta where you are given a gradual elevation or a direct elevation. The most intelligent person, Ashwaka Prabhupada says, the summary of this chapter, is the person who takes directly to Krishna consciousness. But otherwise, uh, you will end up in taking the gradual process. At least you take the gradual process and elevate your consciousness. But otherwise, as I said in the purport here, that in the material world, there seems to be contradictions and the court cases are typical uh, situations where one lower court gives one judgment and then the next court overrules that judgment. And within the higher court also, a single judge gives one judgment, then a three bench uh, judge that goes for, maybe they can reverse it, and if the person or the participants are fighting the case are very powerful or have a lot of money, then they refer to the bigger bench, five-man bench or seven-man bench, called a constitutional bench, and then that bench decides. But they also, they understand that the judges can differ and therefore they take an odd number. It's not an even number, it's not a two-man bench or a four-man bench which is placed, but it's an odd number bench which is placed so that the judgment, even if some of them are uh, against each other, but still finally there are majority of the decisions taken and that decision is enforced. So this is what is possible, uh, this is how we are trying to decide in the material world. But otherwise there is the confusion of many devatas, anya devatas, one supreme lord, polytheism, atheism, so many isms are there. So summary of this verse we find that if people they differ, it means that they do not really understand the ultimate loss of the Supreme Lord and hence there seems to be uh, a sort of difference in opinion and that difference in opinion if it is enforced either you give the punishment or you do not uh, give punishment and to ensure that who is the Supreme Lord to establish that even uh, Yudhisthira Maharaj in his Rajasu Yajna uh, he says that the who should be given the Adi worship or Agra Puja? And in that Rajasa Yajna, all the Devadas were also present. So Devadas, the higher plants were also present. And uh, Mahajans like Bhishma, they were also present. And therefore they said, Who should be given Agra Puja? The best of the personality of the universe should be given uh, Agra Puja. And therefore Krishna was given Agra Puja to decide that he is the Supreme Controller and rest of them are only helping him in managing the universal affairs. Yes, Yamadutas, uh, to look at 
they are very fearful because that befits their job. A lawyer wears a black dress because whatever uh, they argue, it's all black. And therefore, uh, that befits, that is the fitting dress they need to wear. Doctors wear a white dress. Similarly, Yamadutas are given that particular dress, ferocious dress, so that they can instill fear, at least at that time, so that the person may not commit mistake uh, in the next lifetime, or that stands as an example for others who are still living, not to continue with their uh, sinful activity and make a change in direction. So an intelligent person uh, looks at this, understands this, and makes a quicker correction by the association of uh, wonderful persons like devotees, especially in uh, Krishna consciousness, follows Ashutaropa. Yeah, with this, I stop at this stage. If any question? I have a question. Yes, Mataji. Thank you very much for your lecture. Um, my question is uh, uh, Yamaras and Yamadutas, are they uh, Nietzsche or Jivas? And if they are jivas, is it a punishment or it, it is a norm to become a Yamaraj? Uh, Yamaraj, we might, might be a position because Indra is a position, yeah. uh, Chandra is a position, so therefore these are all positions I take it. And in that position, the person personality happens to be a Mahachari. Now, uh, it's a job given to them, the Yamadutas, maybe they would have aspired uh, for such a job. They wanted to enforce the law when they were, so therefore they qualified and they were given their job. So they are not Nitya Sintras. Yeah, any other question or any comment? Okay then, Grandara Shiva Bhagavatam Ki Jaya Shri Rakupa Ki Jaya.